Hello, friends. It's another episode of the Gold and Steel podcast, and holy shit, they did it. The Golden Knights are Stanley <laughs> Cup champions. I don't cuss very often on this show, but I thought if, if you're going to do it, uh, why not now? Uh, I'm JP, as usual, and I'm here with my partner in crime, as usual, Ian. Buddy, they did it. There's a Stanley Cup in Vegas, man. This is crazy. I can't believe I mean, I can believe it, but I can't believe it. I'm still kind of having to pinch myself a little bit. Yeah, I'm not surprised. And it's just been... Like when the playoffs started, I know we're going to review, we've got so much to talk about in this episode, but when the playoffs first started, I felt Vegas had a chance. Now, I didn't just say that because this podcast and I'm just like pumping the listeners' tires. I actually thought Vegas had a chance just because I felt they were the best all-round team. Like maybe not massively skilled in any specific area, but they weren't really weak in any area. Right? It was just a nice, solid team. And then to go through like they did, other than a couple of games, they really it wasn't quite the Colorado Avalanche demolition job to the Stanley Cup final, but it wasn't far off. And the final, I mean, wow, wow. And then the <laughs> celebrations and everything have been, obviously you have been there, so you know, we'll, I definitely <laughs> want to hear about that. But it, it's just crazy. It, it looks like when Washington won the Stanley Cup, it's that kind of level of celebration, whereas it just seems to be <laughs> ongoing. I've seen Aiden Hill rapping i've seen carlson speeches it's just oh, yeah. yeah it's been great so oh man i said i said this on twitter thanks man yeah i said this on twitter i said total debauchery it was total debauchery especially on the part of the team and you gotta love it uh and we're gonna talk about that in a minute here about the parade <laughs> and i mean we've, we've got a lot to cover on this episode but uh i mean just real quick i gotta talk about what it means to the city Mm. Um, you know, to the citizens of Las Vegas and surrounding areas. And, you know, I know there's a lot of salt around the league and there's envy and there's some fans that don't think it's important. And I, I just have to say, you know, on behalf of the fans and our listeners and everybody else and anybody who might not be a Vegas fan who's listening to this, it means the world to the people of this city. It means the world to me. You know, the, the going to see the Golden Knights has been a family thing for me. It's it's something my family and I have done together mm -hmm. for the entire six years that they've been here. And, um, you know, it was very special for us to experience that. I was able to go to game two with my father, which was, in a, you know, an amazing bonding experience. Um, my mother was home. She had a, a bit of an injury, so she wasn't able to... Um, to go to the game. Unfortunately, she normally does. She just wasn't well enough to go this time around, but me and my dad got to go and have that bonding experience. And, you know, I watched all the games with my family. We watched them win the cup together. You know, we watched the parade together. It's, and that's what sports is for everybody. That's not unique to Vegas, but, um, yep. especially with the tragedy from one October and the way that this city has embraced the team. Um, it's just, it's, it's such a special time for everybody here and I couldn't be prouder to be a Vegas fan. And I think, uh, everybody here feels that way. And I think the 200,000 people that showed up for the parade and the rally, um, indicate that as well. And, you know, I gotta say, and I don't want to dwell on this too much, but it's honestly, this is vindication because so much criticism, so much trash talk, so much over the top hate and envy and salt from around the league for six years that frankly, I don't think is terribly warranted. And I've really always kind of backed this team, even through the controversy. 
Yeah. And uh, I really think that this win, it's not going to shut everybody up, but it certainly has shut the pundits up. Because they they know they look stupid if it doesn't shut them. I mean, most of them now are like, oh, wow, okay. This is what it takes to win, right? Like Vegas has essentially set an example for the league on how you build a championship team. And um, it just feels good after so much criticism. Uh, You know, when you've got a cup, everybody kind of has to shut up, (laughs) right? It it vindicates all... (laughs) Yeah, all the decisions you've made. One of the comments I put on mm-hmm. Twitter was around the Vegas management, which has taken a lot of criticism itself from its own fan base for decisions it's yeah. made around Fleury, around you know other players as well, trading draft picks away, trading prospects away. But the reality is all those decisions become vindicated the second that buzzer went in game five. And mm-hmm. it was like, that's what you did it for. And, and they have set a mark case, but it's been done before. We saw that with, we've, we've seen it with Pittsburgh, we've seen it with Chicago, Tampa's maybe a slightly different beast because the way that they came together. But if you want to win the cup, you've got to take some risks. Sometimes mm-hmm. they pay off. And when they do, you get situations like now, and sometimes they don't. But if you, if you don't ever take those risks, you won't win it. You don't win it playing safe. And um, yeah. I thought, it, yeah, like I said, I think it really is vindicated. And the way I always look at these things, and this is what I've always said to, to any of our listeners that have reached out, if they hate you, it's because you're good. So own it. You know, like, I, I want the rest of the league to hate Vegas because that shows Vegas is doing something right. In fact, they feel mm-hmm. jealous. It's just because their own teams are crap. Like, it's just, that's the way it is, you know. It's, right. I think Vegas, have, since it's not, you know, I mean, like we were saying before we went on there, we've seen so many different comments comments about the expansion draft being easy well vegas didn't come up with that the league did uh, you know and it, it needed to be changed it's just i think it's fantastic absolutely fantastic and the whole the way they've handled the celebrations i thought was great i love the fact that all that it wasn't just the players that were celebrating the cup they had like the management like lifting the cup and and not just the, oh, not yeah. just the gms we're talking like the physios everybody you everybody could see the, the real the, team you know, togetherness was fantastic. Yeah. And Cassidy, the team press, wow. like the, the people, that, the people that cover the press, like the team, like the, the, the yeah. team hired press, they all got their, cause all it was it. a, the whole organization did it together. By the way, I don't know if this is typical or not. Everybody, the entire staff, everybody that works for the golden Knights was in the parade. Mm-hmm. There were like 12 or 13 buses, like the entire golden Knights organization was loaded That's up amazing. for that parade. And and maybe maybe other organizations do that as well. I don't know. But I thought that that was appropriate because it took everybody in that yeah. building, you know, and Foley got his chance to lift the cup as well, right? I thought it was really cool too because, like, obviously Bill Foley's a little bit older, right? And with his age, like, it was a bit a much for cup. him to lift the, lift the cup on his own. And so McCrimmon and McPhee stood there and, you know, they kind of taught – you could see they were like, okay, you want a little help? And they lifted it together. And I just thought that was beautiful. I just thought, you know – because Bill Foley's the man. Like, he's the one who made the all man. this happen. He financed it. He was the one who was brave enough to bring the team here. You know, and it's it's a special thing that he did for the city and that he did, he, you know, for the really sports. Is. And so, God, he deserves it, you know? He does. He's a really, he's a, he's a really special owner, you know? Like, I've seen him now in two guises, both with the Vegas Golden Knights 
and with Bournemouth as well. Obviously, in the, in, still in the Premier League, I might point out, still in the Premier League. Yeah, they avoided um, relegation. Yeah, they did, but they also stuck with their manager. And, and I'm not saying that was Foley's decision alone, but as I said, I just think he's 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 been a fantastic owner, and yeah, it's keep celebrating. Whatever happens, I, I know it's a shorter off season. You know, again, mm-hmm. we were talking about that a minute ago, but just the fans just enjoy it because you never know uh, when you're going to go back. You never yeah, know. It, it's such it's such a lottery when you get into the Stanley Cup playoffs. Mm-hmm. I mean, who'd have thought Florida of all the teams yeah. in the East? Who would have thought Florida was going to be a team that that, uh, that we would face? Um, and so, you know, soak it yeah. up. Every, everybody's still buzzing, and I got to admit, I'm emotionally. Uh, pretty drained mm-hmm. like after this last week week and a half of it's just golden nights all the time and the city's just pumped and all the stanley cup merchandise is flying off the shelves and like <laughs> you know it's yeah. it's a lot of excitement and everybody's buzzing but uh but you know you can tell everybody's sort of hitting the wall a little bit speaking of hitting the wall you know we we got to talk about this parade every you know every, obviously everybody knows now you know we're we're coming out well after the 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 game five and the win and and the parade was you know a couple days ago at this point but uh wow i mean talk about like you said talk about partying and that the william carlson speech that's all anybody's talking about you know it is and that poor pr woman that was a pr i don't know if you've seen it but that the the pr lady was totally trying to cut him off get the (laughs) mic out of his hand you know he's up there cursing like a sailor and uh, on the local feed here, they had a couple local feeds, but the local feed here, of course, you know, they usually run these things on a on a five or ten second delay so that they can catch something. And so it was hilarious because suddenly we're watching it, and Carlson's feed goes silent. Right? They just you could see that they muted the sound, and I knew immediately. I was like, oh yeah, they're they're muting him because he's probably cussing like crazy, and that's ex- <laughs> that's exactly what it was. I've since heard it. There are other recordings of it, but on the live feed, the TV audience didn't even get to hear it because you know they on delay they <laughs> they turned the sound off. But uh, the the PR lady was you know she's like okay that's enough you're yeah. cut off that's <laughs> enough that. and he's like yeah. no 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 <laughs> listen to he was so hammered <laughs> it's just hilarious right epic celebration I mean was, just. Yeah. That's what you want to see. And yeah, you know, they call it the hardest trophy to win in sports. And it really is. Even when you go through with a couple of, you know, five game series, it's still a long, long, long road. So, um, mm-hmm. and for some of the players, it wasn't the first cup, but for a lot of them, it was. And mm-hmm. as we were saying before we came on, on, you know, on air, it's when they first stepped on the ice. As a little baby, as a toddler, however old they were when they first stepped on, you know, this is what they dreamed about: was was winning this trophy, winning this cup. There is no World Cup of hockey. Well, there is technically, but <laughs> there's no real World but Cup the, of hockey. But the Stanley this Cup is, is the, it. Yeah, this is your Champions League. This is the one, mm-hmm. the only one these guys want to win. Whether they're playing in Finland, UK, USA, doesn't matter. This is the cup they want to win. Um, Absolutely, and, and maybe yeah. people like Kolasar. It's just, you know, um, Carrier, like it's fantastic. For those guys, it's just, yeah. Yeah. You got to, and you got to think about it too, like the release. So it's not just a release from the season. It's not just a release from a long playoff run. It's a lifelong release for these guys. And, and and the, you know, for the fans too, right? Like, 
I understand places like Toronto and, you know, there's these places who, who haven't won a cup in, in decades or who've never won a cup. And I understand that, that the release will be huge for them too, when those things happen. But I guess, you know, what Vegas fans are trying to say is it's no different here. We're human as well. Six years, 20 years, it doesn't Doesn't matter. matter. We love our team. And, and when they won, the, the, the fans had that release as well. And, and it was, you know, it was incredible to watch them all partying together too. Like the fans, you know, the players during the parade, they're coming on and off the buses and they're pouring beer into the fans' mouths. And, you know, they were pouring beer off the top decks of these open air buses into the players' mouth. I mean, like, you know, drinking champagne out of the, it was absolute debauchery and insanity and relatively safe no major issues, no rioting, right? Like they partied, but they kept it clean. You sure, know, the way nobody it was. Be. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there might have been a couple of arrests, right? There's always going to be somebody who gets rowdy and starts a fight or something. But by and large, <laughs> for an event, and by the way, the city put this together in like three days, you know, three mm-hmm. or four days to, to plan this thing. So, uh, but anyway, it's you know, you get it. We all know how these things go, but, but the, the celebration, you know, they did Vegas proud with the celebration as well. With yeah. The huge and stage and the drones. I don't know if you saw the, the coordinated drone art in the sky and just, you know, oh, wow. it was a no, party. Yeah. 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 I'll have to send you, I'll have to send you some pics of that. It was, you know, those coordinated drone shows they can do mm-hmm. where they, you know, so there was like a Knights logo and uh, Stanley cup champions. Like it kept changing to different things. Oh, and that's awesome. Just, just incredible. Yeah. yeah. And I do think, stuff. you know, you're saying about the other fan bases, as somebody who, you know, who has seen good times, bad times, obviously, you know, with the Hawks or with the Kraken last season, the hardest time to be a fan is when you think you're going to win it and you don't. There's yeah. this misconception that the hardest time is when you're tanking. Don't get me mm-hmm. wrong. It's not very nice to go to those games. I understand for season ticket holders, that's a slog. But you never have any expectations. So your expectation is, if we win a game, hey, because we didn't expect to win the game. (laughs) Right, it's a pleasant surprise. That's what I mean. Whereas the worst feeling is when you feel like you've got a team that should be better than where they are, and you feel Mm -hmm. disappointed. You can't feel disappointment if you tank and you've got a team that's set up to tank. You know, right. so I don't agree with this whole mantra of oh, Vegas fans have had it easy because they've not really had any adversity. That's one line I see a lot. Not really had any any pain, and you're like, well, they have. I mean, they didn't make the playoffs last season. They yeah. should have done. Mm-hmm. You know, the beginning of the season, we wouldn't have predicted that. So, um, yeah, as I said, soak yeah. it up, enjoy it, keep buying, and uh, yeah. it all begins again in a couple of months' time. That, that's right. That's right. Yeah, the, the 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 city of Las Vegas and and Vegas fans couldn't be any prouder. And uh, we're going to enjoy this while it's here. Like you said, it's a rare thing. And um, it is. Well, let's let's get into some details. You know, I know a lot of this stuff has been talked to death, but but we would like to, of course, bring our own you know unique perspective. And and now for any any of our regular listeners, um, you know, before we get into some of the details of the game. Uh, for any of our regular listeners, you'll be expecting this. But if this is your first listen, uh, for those of you who don't know, I uh, work in video and media production. Uh, I don't generally work a lot of sports. That's not the area where I, you know, I don't have as much experience there. But I, but I happen to get called in through one of my contacts to work uh, with the crew at ESPN for Game One of the Stanley Cup Final. Uh, and so I thought I'd just real briefly share with our listeners and, and with you, Ian, 
a little bit about what that was like. Let me tell you, man, to be backstage (laughs) in the locker rooms with the players and the coaches and the press. I mean, I do this for a living, but since I'm such a huge fan, I mean, I was a geeky fanboy. On the outside, I had a calm, (laughs) cool exterior because I was working, right? And I'm a professional and it's my job. But on the inside, I was giddy like a schoolboy and and... I'll just briefly run, run, run you guys through kind of what my day was like. I'll keep it short because we got a lot to talk about. But, um, you know, you, you show up, you go to this trailer to get your credentials, right? They, they give you a, a press, press badge and a pass or whatever. And, and then we head in and, and our first job was uh, we shot the, the pregame pressers, right? So uh, all the pregame stuff where they come into the room and, and um, answer questions and stuff. So we worked on all that. And then um, they have a huge media tent for the Stanley Cup final because there's so much extra media there. So out in like the player parking lot, there was a huge tent with catering and TVs showing the game. And so you hang out in the media tent. I actually got to watch a fair amount of the game from the tent, which was nice because I was worried about having to work through the game. I wanted to be watching it. Um <laughs> And of course, got to work with Emily Kaplan, Kevin Weeks, Steve Levy, all, you know, the ESPN crew, all super nice folks. We got to interview some Knights players, uh, Zach Whitecloud being one of the prominent ones after the game, which was incredible. Um, super nice people. It's interesting. One of the things that I learned, like I said, I do this for a living, but I haven't done a lot of live sports television. And it's a lot more loosey goosey than you would think. They're flying by to see their pants a lot of the time <laughs> because. Things are happening in real time. So you can only plan so much, right? So it's like, I I thought that was interesting that things change and shift a lot. It's like, okay, we're going to interview so-and-so and and -and so-and-so and and so-and-so. But that changes because all of the different press organizations are all vying for time with different players. And you kind of base, there's like a pecking order depending on who the rights holders are. And so I thought that was interesting. We had to shift a lot, right? It was like, you think you're going to interview one player and then it's like, oh, no, we shift. And now we're going to interview another. So, um, so live television, I have a lot of respect for because you have to, you have to move quickly. And, and I think I expected it to be a little more planned out, especially since you don't know how the game's going to end, who's going to do well in the game. So a lot of times they don't know who, they're going to interview until kind of right up to the last second. So I thought that was kind of fascinating. But um, the other thing I noticed about being back there, um, I think, I don't know how you envision it, Ian, when you think of like what it's like in the locker rooms and what it's like in the hallways at an arena. I always kind of picture it as being kind of quiet, right? Like only people who are supposed to be back there. It's kind of mellow. No, it's nuts back there. It's a circus. Uh, And now given it's a Stanley (laughs) Cup final, there are people everywhere. Now, I'm sure regular season games, probably a little quieter, but dude, it was nuts. I mean, because think about it. You got national media, international media, mm. local media, team media. Then you got the, the players and you got all the support crew and you got the video crews everywhere. There's producers everywhere and the players. And then they also had a like a family lounge, which I didn't think about. So a lot of the players, you know, you can't get tickets for your entire family usually. So there's like a family lounge. So all the players' families are back there too. Families and friends all hanging out in this lounge, watching the game on the TVs. And so it's chaos back there, man. And so it gave me a lot of respect for the fact that the players are able to kind of be in that environment and still focus on what they're doing. Mm, (laughs) Like, Given they have a locker room, right? But even the locker room presses in and out of the locker room at different times. So um, 
And it, it was fascinating. Now, one one quick little thing before I turn it over to you or or before we move on. Um, one of the assignments we got was to that we were going to do post game interviews in the losing team's locker room. <laughs> and you you want to talk about being conflicted because. Of course, I would love to do interviews in the Golden Knights locker room, but I knew that if we're doing interviews in the Golden Knights locker room, it meant that they lost, right? So, so fortunately, they won that game, and, and that meant uh, that we were doing locker room interviews for the Panthers, but um, that didn't end up happening. Like I said, it things change and shift, and so we, our crew... Uh, skipped the post game interviews in order to get some Knights interviews, some individual player interviews with, with uh, Knights players. So, and that was fine with me. It would have been cool to be in the locker room, but it's Florida, right? I'm a Vegas fan. So uh, that wasn't a huge deal yeah. to me. But uh, anyway, crazy experience, man. Nuts, right? <laughs> oh, it is. And it'd be interesting, actually, if you had got into the uh, Florida lock- locker room, like, what the atmosphere was like. Mm-hmm. with it being like the way they came into that series. We were talking about the fact that they swept the Carolina Hurricanes to get there and mm-hmm. that would have felt like they ran into a brick wall. It would have been interesting yeah. to have felt that. Yeah. You know, I know we're going to talk about the series now, but the series really like a snowball just got away from, um, you know, just kept kind of rolling and building and building for Vegas, but for the Panthers, mm-hmm. it really got away from them. You know, it became yeah. one game down two games down. Bobrovsky mm-hmm. has an absolute mare. I think that was game three from memory. And, mm-hmm. you know, and then before you know it, the season, you're up against the walls. So it would have been really interesting to have seen how they, how they kind of reacted to that. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, to hear the inside, mate, because I always felt like, and because you don't see it, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not in media. Um, you know, for those of you that know my profession's sales, but it's not, it's not media sales. I'm not in that world right. uh, other than this. Yeah. Um, and, um, so you can tell the difference in the backgrounds for you, for those of you that are watching on YouTube between JP's <laughs> wonderfully like set up, perfect lighting <laughs> and then mine. It's just, just, uh, you know. Uh, very nice. But yours looks pretty lighting good. Lighting wise, a big shit. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. And, um, like, the it always feels to me very scripted. So to hear that it is like organized chaos, it's quite interesting yeah. because it never feels that yeah. way. When the guys are interviewing them, they always feel like they're re- even more so. Obviously, the American commentators feel like they're reading from a script. So yeah. I didn't realize it was yeah. quite so ad hoc. They, they 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 do they do a little bit of prep. Uh, and what what's what happens is there's a producer on site, right? And mm-hmm. and the producer and the on camera talent. So for instance, like Emily Kaplan and the producer, they would discuss ahead of time, like, okay, we're going to interview Zach Whitecloud. Here's what happened in the game. Let's cover this point and this point, right? Mm-hmm. And then and so and like for instance, Emily Kaplan, like right before White Cloud came out to us, you know, she was going. Oh, she was kind of reviewing what she was going to say. So it 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 is planned, but very last minute, right? Yeah, yeah. They they kind of they they put it together very quickly, like right before they do it, and and you know there are handlers back there as well, and so like you don't go grab the player yourself. You put in a request with team PR, right? And then the the team PR rep. Like they say, yes, that player's available. No, that player's not or whatever. And then you wait. And then, you know, and then that guy came, the guy came around the corner. He's like, here comes Zach. Are you guys ready? Kind of thing. And, and yeah. And yep, we're ready. Zach walked around the corner. Um, you know, we were just tucked away in a little hallway. One of the hallways that leads out to the ice, there was like a little Stanley cup banner and we interviewed him in front of that. But, uh, Hmm. yeah, it's interesting. And, um, 
but at the same time, it's what they do, right? So they're used to kind of working on on the fly. And uh, yep. but yeah, it, it was fascinating. And I saw, I mean, gosh, every player, every national media, international, I mean, everybody who I've seen on TV and been, I, they were all there, just rubbing shoulders with all of them. So you know, totally trying to act cool and professional, like yeah, this is what I do, and it is. But I was having a hard time <laughs> not geeking out a little bit. And by the way, I I did notice the Florida players because I walked past a lot of them coming out of the locker room and such. They definitely looked deflated because, like you said, that's the first time in the series in in the playoffs really that they kind of got it handed to them, right? Yep. Like since the Boston series, right? That that was the first time they really kind of got yeah. knocked back a peg, and I could feel it. You know, they they certainly were not jovial on the way out of there. But um, anyway, just wanted to share that. I, I told you know we told our listeners on the last episode that we would and. What a wild experience. And then, of course, I got to go to game two which uh, with my father, which was, you know, incredible. But let's just do – we're not going to dig too much into reviewing game by game. We're just going to look at the series overall real quick. But but just a quick review of the series. We know game one was kind of tight, right, for the first couple periods. Vegas mm-hmm. kind of ran away with it in the third final score, 5-2. Right, game two was a real walloping, right? Final score, I think, 7-2 on that one. And th- that game was over in the first period. I think Knights were up 3 nothing by the end of the first. And let me tell you, that was a fun game to be at. I mean, just I was sitting in section 219. Uh, uh, shout out to all my 219 friends out there because that's actually... I've sat all over that arena. 219 was total pandemonium. Uh, that, that That's the best, <laughs> best section in the arena. It helps that it was game two of the Stanley Cup final, but... I've never seen anything like it. I mean, just people climbing over each other to high five and just felt like a big family. So that was awesome. awesome. And then, um, of course, game three back in Florida was when Florida got a little bit of momentum back, right? That's the one that Florida managed to uh, tie it up with a minute left and then win it in overtime. And so at that point in the series, it's 2-1, right? Mm -hmm. And so at, at that point, it's pretty... Game four was pivotal because... At that, if Florida wins Game Four, now it's anybody's cup, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think it. W- I think Vegas probably still would have won it, to be honest. But, but that's nerve wracking. The pressure's on Vegas because now it's a best of three series. But uh, in Game Four, Vegas managed to reverse it, do the same, right? Win it three two. Yep. And uh, I mean, look at that point. This is one. Of, a lot of people say it's one of the most dominant. Stanley Cup final appearances they've ever seen in terms of 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 how the night. I mean, there's just you don't see spankings like that that often. As we know, Game Five when when Vegas won the Cup, the final score was nine, nine three. to three. Mm-hmm. That's an insane regular season score. Much less in the playoffs. Much less in the final. Yeah, I mean they, that, that. Now I know Florida was really out of gas at that point, but good lord, nine to three. I mean. That, it was I mean, destruction, yeah. complete destruction, oh, and total, and it was really we were saying yeah. before you know before we clicked go, but the the kind of feeling was it was going to be this epic game five, and you're right, it was game two, sorry, where Bobrovsky uh, completely crapped the bed, not game three, but yeah. Um, yeah. game three was when he was vindicated for being put back in net. Uh, yeah, he had a great Maurice. performance. Um, yeah, yeah. A good performance, yeah, uh, and. Uh, but because Vegas was so dominant in the first period, and then again in the second, the final final, so the final game, game five, was over, and then it was just the fans could just celebrate for like one and a half periods because mm-hmm. Florida never looked like coming back into it. 
they were they were already no. beaten. You know, and hats off yeah. to them for playing for the full sixty minutes, um, and they did. And that must be really really hard when you know your your season is done and the deflation that people feel when either they don't make the playoffs or get knocked out in an early round. There is no harder feeling to come back from that if you're a player than getting to the Stanley Cup final and not winning. No one remembers yeah. finalists. They remember the winners. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that must be really, really hard for Florida. So I thought it was, you know, hats off to them for playing all the way to the end. You know, I know they get paid for it, but it doesn't make it any easier. And they were still fighting. They were still playing hard. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was just destruction. Yeah. And respect to them as an opponent. I mean, those guys left it all on the ice. And, and the injuries that those guys played through, you know, after the fact, some of their injuries started coming out. We know Kachuk was playing with a broken sternum, you know, uh, from the Kosar hit. Kosar broke Kachuk's sternum mm-hmm. on that hit. hit. I mean, brutal, brutal hit. And, uh, you know, uh, Gudis was playing with a high ankle sprain, I think, and... Was it Ekblad? Ek, there was one Ekblad guy who, yeah, Ekblad's injuries well, were just yeah. absurd. Yeah, he broke yeah. his foot in the Boston series. That's basically, it. played the entire playoffs with a broken foot and had two shoulder separations and yeah, one one other uh, muscle tear or something like that. I mean, you know, those guys left it all on the ice. Kudos to them. But we've talked about this before. Everybody knows this. But you know, the playoffs are are a war of attrition, and Vegas looked like they could play another series. Honestly, yeah, that's how. Do fresh they looked including mark stone 100% and and a lot of that honestly comes back to how the team is constructed i mean they're it's not something we talked about a lot in the regular season but but they're huge you know the the golden knights are massive the whole team is huge except for marcheso who's 5'10 but you know they're all huge and and fast and powerful um they're like the borg right it's like every guy on that team can st- can steamroll you if they need to. But then the crazy thing is they're also, I've heard some people say they're the most disciplined team in the league. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost like they let, yeah, it's like they let the game come to them and they're like, yeah, we'll play however you want. You want to play, uh, you want to have a track meet? We'll play a track meet. You want to play a rush game? We'll play a rush game. Yep. You want to play brutal hockey? You want to play goon hockey? We can do that too. Like that's, they always have an answer, right? And it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a, a brilliantly constructed team and it's easy for me to, to brag on them now that they've won. But, but this is what I've been hearing pundits say for the entire playoffs. And it's interesting because a lot of those pundits don't watch Vegas as closely because it's not in their area or, or they're in the East or whatever. But that's what all of the pundits were saying. Like, God, they're huge. You know, their, their defensemen are brutal. Like they frustrate teams. Nobody can get to the inside. And that was on clear display because Florida is scrappy mm-hmm and rough and fast and Vegas had an answer for them pretty much every night. And let's face it, the win that Florida did get, it was a great comeback win, but they barely squeaked it out. You're not going to win four of those in a playoff series, no. right? You're not going to win four games like that. No, not without um, Chuck as well. The second to Chuck was right. down. They he had, was gone for game know, five. Yeah, that's it. And people could say, oh, well, if he was there, it would have been a series. But like you said, this, that happens. I think the depth that Vegas have, we talked about it in the Edmonton series, talked about it again in the Dallas series. Um, I, I think that was a real real difference maker for me. They've got players like Colasar, Carrier, who, who produce. You look at the points, 
Vegas points split. Okay, yes, Eichel and Marsha show had a, you know a good haul of points. I think Eichel had more, um, which is why some people thought the MVP was going to go to him. Um, but you know, I'm sure the players don't particularly care one way or the other. But it's the um, it's the fact that you've got depth scoring Smith Stone. You know. While Bill, everybody's there, right? So you've got everybody who contributes in their own little way. Stevenson bagged some really important goals, some really important mm-hmm. face-off wins in terms of the series. So I just, it's just a team, and I've, we've been saying that since the get-go, which is that that team is built like that's not by accident. That's not just accidentally happened. The players have pulled together. It's McCrimmond, you know, McPhee. Everybody's idea from the start was to build this squad of lines of strength skill and speed um and and it works and if anything the east teams like toronto and others should be looking to vegas to say how do we mirror that because Mm -hmm. okay we've got our like dynamite line but how do we get that dynamite line spread across four lines rather than just one like nuclear option which is what and it's been done before you know we talked about chicago and pittsburgh before we press go but that Chicago had a very similar back in their glory years had a very similar style. It was some skill, some scoring, but it, mm-hmm. they were big. They were hard teams to play against. They hit players like Andrew Shaw, Andrew Loud, like they were, had those sorts of players. And Vegas is a, as a similar mold. So, and you got to have yeah. goaltending. All this mm-hmm. doesn't work. Now, everything we just talked about doesn't mean Jack, if the man with a glove, isn't going to stop it. So, let's not take anything yeah. away from Aiden Hill. He was. He was. Unreal, yeah. Unreal. Oh, yeah, yeah. He he was absolutely outstanding, and uh, we're going to get to that in a few minutes. Here, we're going to talk about some off-season stuff. Hill has put himself in a great position, not as great a position for Vegas, obviously, because he's going to want to get paid. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, we'll dive we'll dive into that here in a second. But uh, I mean, look, and you can't understate you cannot understate either chemistry and locker room, right? And guys getting along and. You know, we don't have to dive too deep in this. I think it was obvious that these guys love playing together. And that's a hard thing to, you can't just create that just by signing players and trading for players strictly based on what they do on the ice. You also have to consider their character. You have to consider what -hmm. kind of locker room personality they are. That stuff matters. And, uh, And clearly this team loved playing together. You know, they, they, they enjoy each other's company. Like they're all, they're like best buddies and and that, that really matters. And I think most of the teams that go deep find that bond with each other. And, um, that can be, sometimes that can be hard to create, but obviously that's, that's a priority for Vegas and they do make that a priority. I know that they do. I've heard them say that, that they look at players character a lot before they sign them. But, um, I mean, Ian, surely this says that the expansion plan with the NHL, and Batman's plan with expansion, the way that they're doing it now, it's working, right? It's it's paying off. I mean, what is the success of Seattle and Vegas? What does that say? I, I, the results are, are are resoundingly clear to me, right? I mean, this it's mm-hmm. totally working, isn't it? It's totally working. Um, if I put my sales hat on for a minute, and I'm sure Batman's uh, sales team are doing exactly this to all the various other locations across the uh, across the USA and Canada that they want to expand to. But A, the system works. The system has been proven now to be fair twice. Arguably, it was it was weighted more in the favor of Vegas than it was Seattle. And we talked about that when Seattle did their expansion draft. Teams had become aware of, well, how do I get around this whole 
protecting yeah. nine or seven or three or whatever system players that we decide to do. Um, so mm-hmm. it wasn't there wasn't quite like the glut of tr- trades and everything. Seattle, so yeah. I mean, like Vegas, prime example. How they got Marshall Show, how they got Smith, all those sorts of players. But still, the system works, um, and but it enables a team to go one of two routes with a with a good basis to start that 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 journey. You can you can build slowly. Like what Seattle are doing, you can build through drafts, players like you know Beniers and, and others, and obviously Shane Wright. You can build that way, or you can build through building a team of win now, which is what Vegas did on year one, at the Misfits, and then okay, sacrifice some future, but stay in win now mode and see where it takes you. And that's and that's what they've done. Um, and Cup in six years is amazing. There's organizations that have never even made a Stanley Cup playoff, let alone, or even a Stanley Cup final, sorry, rather than actually win it. Um, So it's fantastic. And I just think it shows to me why it's the best route to go. And any 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 location out there right now that's looking at either relocation or or expansion, and we won't touch on it too much, I'm conscious we don't take up this episode, we've chatted about Houston, but... um, I don't know why you would relocate a franchise to your city rather than just start fresh because it's been proven to work. Um, and 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 it's not just work. Well, people think success is just the Stanley Cup. Obviously, that is the success metric. Um, but it's the jersey sales, it's the ticket sales, it's the you know the, the number of fans outside outside of like the core location. So how spread is the Vegas fandom? Has it reached? internationally how well recognized is the logo the jersey all these sorts of things determine a franchise's true success whether you become like legendary in terms of like you know you, you see a chicago bulls jersey from a distance you know it's that jersey and you right. know what that so you look at that logo and you know that logo represents 23 you know that logo represents championships and that's what mm-hmm. vegas is building here is something where it, they might not be an original sixteen, but except for the original six, nobody can be an original sixteen. But they can be iconic in terms of an right. NHL franchise, and that's what they've got the chance to build now. Yeah, and, and this was kind of on our agenda today to talk about this. Since we're kind of on the topic, let's just mm-hmm. shuffle the order a little bit and just real briefly talk about. You know, we've you and I have discussed this as well. I mean, as far as, you know, we, there's, we don't want to dig into this too much, but, you know, there's been talk about the Coyotes possibly relocating, right? Because they're kind of in trouble with their arena situation. Mm-hmm. You know, it, someplace like Houston or Salt Lake City has been, has been coming up. Most places would probably prefer an expansion team if they could get it as opposed to relocation based on, on Vegas's model and Seattle's model, right? Seattle made it to the second round. Yep. So, so it's maybe not the same degree of success as quickly, but Seattle is clearly on the right track. Oh yeah, year yeah. two. You know, it's the it's a, a, you know I know Houston seems to be the the city that comes up the most often, but an ownership group would would probably vie for expansion over uh, bringing in a team like the Coyotes, right? I would think. Yeah, I mean, money's going to be a big factor because it would be a lot cheaper to, to relocate. See, the Coyotes buy, are a lot cheaper, yeah. Which is why, true. for me, Salt Lake yeah. City makes the most sense because they've already got an mm-hmm. ice rink ready to go. So there is no like yeah. um, massive amount of capital expenditure that would be required. Um, yeah. Not if you're like it's, building arena from scratch, which is what some of the other right. places would have to do or do massive redevelopments. But if I was yeah. Houston, I'd be saying to Bettman, 
I want in, but I want mm-hmm. in that way. I want to be the yeah. 33rd team. I don't want to have another team. I want to be the 33rd right. team and let us start you know, the arrows or whatever they call themselves. You know, we, mm-hmm. we're going to start from scratch. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That seems clear to me. And, and, um, and it'd be one thing. It d- depends on which team's moving. Right. But obviously the coyotes come with a whole lot of baggage as well. But, um, and draft picks. but anyway, just, just wanted to throw that, <laughs> throw that in there. But, uh, anyway, this, this is, this episode is mostly about Vegas. So let's cover the last couple of topics that we wanted to talk about. Um, player of the series. We all know that Jonathan Marcheseau won the con Smythe. But what was mm-hmm. crazy is that there were a number of players who easily could have been Conn Smythe winners. That, that speaks to the team's depth. And, of course, uh, we talked earlier, you know, Aiden Hill's performance was amazing. But but real real quickly, Ian, I'll throw it to you. Yep. You know, who were kind of the MVPs, the guys who were eligible for the Conn Smythe or who were possibly – I mean, like, there were so many valuable players, right? But there were probably four or five that kind of rise to the top. Yeah, and if I had to select four, it's hard because I want to select all of them, which is the mm-hmm. biggest get out in the history of get out. I get that. But, <laughs> right, right. So I'm not going to select all of them. <laughs> I am going to select four. But if it's it's not taking away from any of the rest, right? But you've got, I mean, Aiden Hill, again, I don't think, he, like he still isn't quite getting the plaudits I think he deserves. His stick save in game, whatever the hell it was. Oh, I was Save of the century. I, it was uh, just insane. I think you know, mm-hmm. uh, they, they showed the Holt, Holtby save, obviously, in the, in, like in the in the uh, footage at the same time. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. But he 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 battled some poor performances, mainly early on. But still, he got thrown into that position, taking over from an in uh, inform Brossois, um, who unfortunately has kind of faded away in terms of his contributions for this for this team uh, in the Stanley Cup, but. He was a big part of it as well. But Aiden Hill stepped in and the kid looks like an NHL elite starter. And uh, we'll come to that in a second. The, uh, so you've got Aiden Hill. You've then got Mark Stone. Like You cannot underestimate how important Mark Stone is. His numbers are irrelevant. You see what he brings to the ice every time he scores. When he scored that hat trick, which you could argue didn't mean anything um, because the game was already over. But every other player on the ice... Didn't care how many icing calls he gave trying to shoot that puck from like the whole <laughs> ice distance to get it in because uh, because he is that leader. Like when Vegas first started, they they obviously in, like, famously, I suppose, had the, the A's rather than having a C. So they had three A's, no captain. Mm-hmm. And now right. like there is a captain and it's Mark Stone. Whether he's on the ice, whether he's in the back locker room, like, the guys love him. He creates this passion that you don't see a lot from from everybody. Just because they wear the C, some people wear it because they're the best player on the team. He wears it because he is a very good player, but he is a captain's captain. You know, mm-hmm. um, he was massive. Eichel was fantastic. Talking about quieting uh, the doubters, you know, Eichel's bad for locker rooms, disproven. Yeah. Eichel can't right. handle it in high pressure situations, disproven. Eichel's not an elite <laughs> NHL player, disproven. Disproven. So yeah. It's, you know, he was fantastic. And then, you know, Marsha Show is just, it's just a gift that keeps on giving. It's going to be a real, real, he's not for our conversation in a second about UFAs, but he is the season after next. And yeah. like he is, 
he's been fantastic. He's been such a great player for this organization. It's just, yeah, he deserved yeah. it more for longevity than it. But my, oh my God, did he produced in this, in the series, all of the series for that man. He's fantastic. Yeah. 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 And it just, once again, it comes back to depth, right? That's what a team mm-hmm. with this kind of depth looks like. You're going to have that many players who perform at that level. And, um, you know, we'll kind of combine a couple of agenda items here just in the interest of time. But, um, but let's talk a little bit about, you know, you mentioned Marcia. So he's got one year left on his contract. Yeah. And, but at July 1st, he'll be eligible to extend. And I'm sure the Knights will probably try to extend him sooner rather than later. But, but what does the off season look like for this team now? Like we know, obviously Hill played out of his mind. And I mentioned earlier, he's going to need to get paid. Right. So, you know, it's got some, not only in goal, I have my predictions on how things are going to go in goal, but, uh, but there's some players that, you know, that they're going to have to get some things done with. And there's some players that are, you know, that are maybe going to get let go. So in terms of how about this, you tell me what you think is going to happen with the skaters, like who's on their way out, who are they going to try to grab? And then maybe I'll throw in my prediction for goalie and then we'll go back and forth on that. But so what's going to happen with the forwards, the defensemen, who's, who's going, you think? So just very, very quickly on the goalies. Uh, And we are, we are up against it in time, but I'll be very quick because I've seen this a few times on Twitter and I've thought, guys, Let's just clear this up right now. Lena is not going to be playing for Vegas or anybody next season. But he no. also won't retire because he's got too many years left on his contract. So he'll sit mm-hmm. on LTIR. So that contract right. will end up where all good contracts go to die. It'll end up in Arizona. I tell you that now. Yeah. Lena will get traded to Arizona for some sort of draft pick, a second, a third, who knows, who cares. He'll go... Mm. His contract will go because Vegas can't have it on their books, regardless of the fact he's LTIR'd or will be LTIR'd when he gets around mm-hmm. to it. It doesn't matter because on the day, he's still going to count towards the cap. And mm-hmm. Arizona have currently got Andrew Ladd's contract, um, Brian Little's contract, um, Voracek's contract, and a numerous others on their books for the exact reason that they need them on their books for, which is that they need cap without salary. So there'll have to be some sort of offset to, to, for somebody to take that contract, but I don't. That's not. That's that's a non-point for us, really. I guess is what I'm saying. So yeah, Leonard's, the Leonard's done in Vegas. He's done. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. done. Now you know we could talk all day about his off his off ice stuff, but in terms of on ice, he's done uh, injury wise. And so that means that the three biggest decisions for. So if I run through the UFAs and RFAs, UFAs are Barbashev, Bluga, Kessel, Hill, Brissois, Quick. RFAs are Howden, uh, Dorfayev, and the, I want to keep saying it's Pahal. Oh, Pahal. Braden Pahal. Pahal. Yeah. And uh, he said it better than I can. So we're going to leave him to one side because <laughs> I can't say his name. And also, he's not irrelevant in this conversation because <laughs> he's going to get a two or three year deal, two way, guess around two-way, eight yeah. to 900K, something like that. Bang, he's gone. Yeah. Um, Dorfayev, I would expect to be the same. Maybe a two year, one year if he's lucky, maybe. Maybe a one year, mm. one million deal, just kind of like. Test him, but I would get. But in in Vegas, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he'll be back in Henderson to start yeah. the season. Vegas probably at some point. So that means, and um, we'll put the goalie situation to a side because, in my opinion, Brossois quick do not come back. Uh, Bluger doesn't come back. Castle doesn't come back, which means you've got Barbashev, Hill, which I'll leave for yourself, and then Howden. Howden's the interesting mm-hmm. one. Barbashev's going to want to get paid. That's tricky and not easy Very to do. Tricky. So. Mm-hmm. 
there might have to be some cap gymnastics to get Barbashev on. Maybe mm-hmm. a Nick Nick Ra goes, and some of the fan base are going to hate me for saying this, but maybe he does to make room for Barbashev. But to keep Barbashev, really somebody will have to go. And yeah. I don't have the cap stuff in front of me now because we'll cover that on an off-season one. Because let's see what happens at the draft first before we start. Because that's going to... Like the draft for me is always the one where you see people start to make those moves. Because that's where we'll see, I would guess, where we'll see the move for Lena could be in the draft. Mm-hmm. Because right. that's where Vegas could say, here you go, Arizona, have our second-round pick. Uh, but you've right. also got to take Lena. You've got to take Lena's salary. Whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I think I, the, the Barbashev and Howden's the two. Howden, for me, a year ago, I would have said Vegas would let him go. But his performances this season make me think there's, there's, a, there's a bottom six player there. It's whether yeah. he thinks he's worth more than he really is. He's an RFA, though, so he doesn't. Yeah. He can't just walk away. He would have to go right. to arbitration. But, yeah, Barbashev's the one, man. Like He's been fantastic. They've got to find some way of keeping him in Vegas. Now, the advantage of winning a cup is that when you're trying to sell to the player, you could say to him, look, I know you want this number, but take this number and stay in this group and win right. more cups. Or yeah. test yourself on a free agent and you could go anywhere. But if you want yeah. to keep winning cups, I'm afraid you're going to have to take this number. That's maybe the way right. they work it with Barbashev. Yeah, and, and I know that the front office has already made him an offer uh, that his yeah. team turned down, right? They want to wait and see what the market looks like. And that's fair. He's earned it. Uh, but so obviously Vegas has interest, but you're right. A player may have to go if they're going to keep Barbashev. So that will be one of the most intriguing storylines, not only for Vegas, but in the entire NHL, he's the hottest name. He's going to be the hottest name on the free in free agency, probably uh, <laughs> going Patrick in. Now, <laughs> yeah. Right, right. But I mean, yeah. just based on his Stanley Cup yeah, performance, right? He's, well, he's, yeah. he's the name everybody's talking about, right? Barbashev. Every, I mean, wow. Everybody's that guy's uh, that guy, you know, brings it all. But so here's my, prediction on goalie and then i want to get your thoughts on this because i i was predicting something slightly different i think hill's probably gone i I think i think hill is probably going to be looking at you know four or five million dollars for several years and and i i i think vegas has they have logan thompson who was an Mm all-star and brossois who's formidable and brossois is cheaper I kind of feel like they'll try to sign, they'll keep Logan Thompson, who costs a lot less, and Brossois, if they want somebody like Barbashev. Now, it could go the other way. They could lose Barbashev and try to bring Hill back. But I kind of feel like Logan Thompson, Brossois is the way it's going to go. And of course, Quick's gone. Like, Quick yeah, was a rental. He Quick's was a gone. rental, yes. But, but I want to get your thoughts. What, what, how do you see it panning out? Well, you nearly made me reach for my uh, media board there. Because uh, did, you, you don't just, agree, like well, it's just like wow. Okay, that's that's the he's got a different way than I thought he was yeah. going. So the twenty three twenty four season, as it stands right now, um, obviously Lerner is on LTIR according mm-hmm. to this at five million, which he has two years remaining. I've no idea what he's actually being paid, but his cap is right. five million. That means projected cap space is three point four million. So let's ex- let's exclude. Um, Lena from this conversation right now. That means they've got 3.4 million to play with, but they've got to sign Dorofeyev, Howden, Barbashev, somebody to replace Bluger and Kessel because they need, obviously, got to have, um, I can't remember the number now, it's gone out of the top of my head, but the right number of, of, of roster spots filled. You can't just fill a, li- a yeah. team and have nobody on the, on the bench, so to speak. Right. Um, so, 
And I think the advantage with them is they've got Thompson's locked in for two years at seven hundred and sixty-six thousand pounds, which is right. dollars, sorry, which is ridiculous. He's so cheap right now, yeah. And that's why I feel like I'd give Hill a two-year deal because you mm. can roll the two of them, and then in two years' time, you can make the decision of is it Hill or is it Thompson, um, right? Whereas if I you make if you're thinking future, call, sure, the yeah. risk is Brosois wants, <clears throat> excuse me, a longer. A longer contract. Um, players that could go, I, I mentioned uh, Nicholas Roy before, he's on 3 million. That would be important to let that go. Chandler Stevenson's on his last year. He's at 2.7. He's going to want a payday. Um, Colossus 1.4. And then you're looking at the big guys, which I, I just don't see them moving. Defensively, no. you could move potentially a Nick Haig, but I don't know why you would do that with a 24-year-old. Uh, Martinez could be the person who goes. He's on yeah. five million. So again, he's got a modified no trade clause, um, but it's a twelve team no trade list. Uh, no, sorry, eight even uh, team no trade list next that season. Leaves plenty of other places, yeah. Which means you've still got a ton of teams he'll be happy to go to. He's a very good defenseman, but when you're in Vegas's situation to free up five million, if you were to trade Wa. And uh, who is 26, by the way, so he's not exactly a spring chicken, although he's not old either. Wa and Martinez freeze you up 8 million. You can do Barbashev and Hill. And I think that's mm-hmm. what they need to do. Yeah. Well, if it was, yeah, I, I, Barbashev and Hill would be amazing. If, if they could have an offseason where they kept both of those guys, mm. that would be incredible. And you, you know be. what? The front office has proven to be wizards at this, you know, uh, so I that's wouldn't it. put it past them that, to have those kind of tricks up their sleeve and that would obviously be an an ideal situation so i should probably have a little more faith in the front office to pull something like that off but uh i mean it's going to be a very intriguing off season there's no doubt about that and and i uh, one thing i can say for certain i think vegas will continue to contend uh they're still very very much in their window they'll be contenders next year you know barring any crazy unforeseen circumstances i think we can expect them to be a playoff team for sure and and very likely a contender again but um wow what what a year it's been and oh my god to say that vegas are stanley cup champions vegas won the stanley cup it still doesn't feel entirely real to me like we're all still buzzing a little bit about it here yeah i mean (laughs) give yourselves a hand vegas golden knights yeah You've been saving that up. It's it's pretty incredible. <laughs> it goes on for a really long time. But they want to say that, man. It's worth the going. That's uh that's what it sounds like here in town, man. I mean, it's uh it's going to be a party all summer, and uh, I mean, what what an incredible run by these guys, and uh, <laughs> wow, they made Vegas proud. Yeah, that did go on for a while, it but hey, it while, fits, man, yeah. right? <laughs> I just it's, quite enjoyed watching you try and talk over it. <laughs> it's quite, quite amusing. So. I, think, I think I was trying to spare our listeners from listening to 30 seconds of applause with them talking. Hey, man, you won the Stanley Cup. <laughs> That's true. We should have just sat there and soaked it in. Yeah. But uh, speaking of our listeners, man, th- thank all of you guys. We we so appreciate all of you, and our listener base has grown a lot. We've met a lot of really cool people, and we're enjoying doing this with all of you. And this little community, this little sub community within the Vegas Golden Knights community that, uh, that we're creating with you guys. So uh, thank you all for your questions and your interaction. And we're looking forward to doing this again next season. And, and so Ian, we got a couple things in mind for the off season. We're not going to be doing every two weeks probably, but nope. a couple, a couple of, we might pop off a couple episodes in the off season. What do you, what are you thinking we're going to do here? So 
you're right. We're not going to be doing every other week. That's for certain. But um, we need to do predictions, and we need to get our guys back on the podcast. Um, Mike and Marty. Mike needs to mm-hmm. be uh, put to yeah. uh, put to shame for his predictions. <laughs> so, yeah, we could pull out some of those quotes from that uh, predictions I episode. And I know he's yeah. listening now, saying, "Damn, they remembered." Yeah, I do, we did. <laughs> and um, so we've got that. And then uh, we're going to do some off-season stuff as well. well look, this, the draft. Uh, and I'm just not yeah. just because uh, the Connor Bedard, obviously, thing. But it, the draft is a really, really big day for Vegas as well. And, and we're going to mm-hmm. follow the off-season. And, and, and we all, the thing we want to do, and this is up to you guys as well, and we, we, we'll put this out to you on Twitter, but it's the same for YouTube as well. If you want to ask a question via YouTube, you can either use our mailbag feature on the website, you can also use the comments field below the episode. It's absolutely fine. Um, but we want to know what your questions for the off-season. What do our listeners want to hear? And then we'll, you know, happily do a whole episode on just your questions. So, um, yeah, yeah, so absolutely. Kind of and it's going to be a it's going to be a pretty short off season this year because Vegas won the cup. So we're really only Did looking they? at a <laughs> at a at a couple of months here before we're talking uh, preseason hockey again. So yeah. uh, we're not going to have a long a long time to wait. But uh, but yeah, we'll come to you guys at least a couple times, two or three times here in the off season, and uh, we'll post in our usual places. So well, that about wraps it up, guys. It's been an amazing year. An amazing season for the Vegas Golden Knights. An amazing season for the Gold and Steel podcast, for the Gold and Steel show, for Gold and Steel in general. And Ian, mm-hmm. buddy, I man, I love I love doing this show with you. And uh, you know, we've become good friends and good colleagues. And so I appreciate you and all the work you put into this too. And uh, man, what a what a great time! And I'm looking forward to doing this again, uh, starting all over again next year. It's going to be great, man. <laughs> yeah me too mate and uh let's like you said let's hope for another successful season but yeah, like you rightly absolutely. said this i love doing this anyway like you said me and you are uh you know our friends now we didn't know each other ourselves a couple of years ago but that friendship mm-hmm. has kind of built over the last two years and i definitely would clash yeah. with one of my uh, best friends now and um but the the listeners man you guys make this make this all worthwhile so yeah, definitely. You. So, so worth it. Yeah. Um, and looking forward to adding more friends to our group. And, uh, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, we'll see you guys in the off season and look forward to a great season next year. That about does it for us. Uh, Twitter always gets a little quiet in the off season. That's always a little bit of a bummer, but uh, I know we'll see some of you on there off and on. And like Ian said, just drop us a line or say hi to us on Twitter or use the mailbag or we'll, we'll, we'll be there. We'll be watching the feeds at all times. So mm-hmm. All right, guys, take care. Soak this up. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Celebrate uh, the Golden Knights win uh, in the offseason. And uh, I know we'll be buzzing off of this all summer. So take care, guys. Stay safe. Rest up. And uh, we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.